One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. As we've already said on the video, uh, welcome all of you that are guests with us this morning. We're so glad uh, that you're here. Hope you just feel at home today. Um, and uh, we're a church that is on the move. Okay, there is uh, uh, not just meta, you know, um, metaphorically speaking, spiritually speaking. We're on the move physically as well. And uh, I'll share with you more about that in just a second. But I know Nate mentioned it already on the video, uh, but. The, our website, ocparkdistrict.com slash events, is always the best place to go uh, just to stay up with everything that's happening. Uh, I want to remind you, um, those of you who weren't here with us last week, we made an announcement uh, last week. Uh, and, and I think all of you know that we have bought a building as a church, and uh, we are so excited about where God is taking us. Um, but uh, how many of you know between uh, the promise and your present reality, there's a process. There's always a process. Wouldn't you like it if God just showed up in your life and immediately you just experienced the fullness of everything that he had for you? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, you just wake up. You're in heaven. Uh, that's not the way God works. God uh, works in us, the Bible says, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So he's at work in us uh, in order to prepare us for where he is taking us. And so I shared with you last Sunday that we uh, had just gotten the word that as of this month, this will be our last month here meeting at the community center, um, which is exciting. Thank you. Whoever that faith-filled whoop was, that was exciting. I was hoping uh, that you have gotten over your uh, oh, last week and had gotten to the whoop. Um, so I'm glad you're there today. And I got to tell you, I'm there too. I'm so excited about where God is taking us um, and, you know, practically speaking, um, we are going to be as a, we'll be here today. Next week is House Church. The following Sunday, the 21st, we'll be back here. Uh, and then in September, we're launching into a new season. And that's really a season of preparation. Uh, and so we're going to be doing a few things. Uh, not only is the building being prepared, but uh, we're going to be doing a few things just to kind of lean into the values of who God has called us to be. One of those values is the value of community. And uh, we believe that church isn't just a, an event to attend. It's a family to belong. Amen? And so we love uh, being around the table in, in each other's homes, getting to know one another, sharing life together. So we're going to continue to do that uh, biweekly in house church uh, in the, the fall months. And then also we're going to be uh, having a once-a-month community outreach. And it's awesome for us to get together, and we need to get together like this. And I look forward to the time that we can get together uh, um, you know, not just even weekly, but we can get together as often as we like in our own place. But how many of you know, regardless of how good church is in the building, church isn't meant to just be in the building? Yeah. Amen? Uh, is it, we're not called to just go to church. We're called to be the church. And, and one of the, the uh, values that we have as a church is that church is not just a rest stop. It's a launching pad. It's where we are launched out into the mission of God, the purpose of God. And part of that is to serve the community. And so uh, each month we're going to be having a community outreach uh, or a, an opportunity to serve the community. We've got some ideas and some things that we're working on that I'm very excited about. Uh, and then once a month, we'll be having a worship gathering where we'll all get together. And uh, so I know uh, that may be a little bit of, you know, schedule and calendar gymnastics, um, but I, I really think 
uh, God's got great things for us. Amen? Uh, we're headed somewhere, okay? We're headed somewhere. And, and so we are excited about where God's taking us. And even in this season, uh, I believe God is building us together as a body uh, so that we can do what he's called us to do in the future. So I want to encourage you to stay in tune uh, with everything that's happening on our website. And then also, two weeks from today, I shared with you last week that two weeks from today is our special Vision Builders Give Day. And that's a moment that we're just asking uh, those of you who call this church home, that we're asking you to just pray about what would God have you to do, uh, or, or would God have you to do something? And if so, what would he have you to do to partner together to see the vision that he has called us to uh, fulfilled? And I shared that with you last Sunday. I won't give you all the details. If you missed last Sunday, go back and watch uh, that video. But we're going to have a special Vision Builders Give Day in two weeks. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Over these two weeks, would you just be praying about what God would have you to do? Uh, and here's what I'm praying, that God would speak to us, that God would speak to us. And um, so I, here's my encouragement to you, just to spend extra time praying, fasting, listening to the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's amazing what God can do when we listen to Him, yeah. you know? And so I want to encourage you, pray. And, and it may be that God puts something on your heart to give. Uh, it may be that God gives you an idea. He may give you an idea. He may give you a connection. He may say, hey, I want you to talk to so-and-so about this vision, about this, uh, this mission that the church has. But listen, uh, how many of you would commit to pray about it over the next two weeks? Would you all commit just to pray? Uh, I'm not saying you have to give. I just want to ask if you would commit to pray, and I think uh, God's going to show up in a great way. Well, if you have your Bibles today, would you grab them and turn with me uh, to Joshua chapter 10? Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to continue our series that we've been in for a few months uh, that we are calling Possessing the Land, Possessing the Land. And uh, if there's a big idea uh, or an overarching theme for this book, uh, we have said this, the book of Joshua is the recognition that God has not just saved us from something, He saved us for something. That God has saved us. Uh, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. There's two people that think that's true. How many of you think that's true? Let, 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 let me say it this way. I don't know who said this, but someone once said, the two most important days in your life are, are number one, the day you were born, uh, and the, number, the second day is the, the day you discover why. Okay, now I would say the day you're born again goes in that as well. But there's a lot of people that are born, and even some people that are born again, and, and they have been born, but they don't know why. They don't know why God has saved them, why God has, has chosen them. And here's what I want to say to you is this, that there is a place, there is a land, there is a destiny uh, that God has upon every single one of our lives. If you are breathing, God has a purpose for your life. If you have a heartbeat. God has a destiny for you. Amen? Just check your pulse. Make sure. Okay. How many of you have a pulse? Okay. That means you qualify. All right. You qualify. And uh, it's not just about going to heaven, although that is true. I'm so grateful that when you put your faith in Jesus, immediately you have the eternal hope that you have been forgiven of your sin. You've been made righteous. But what we're talking about is, is not about just going to heaven. What we're talking about is how do I make my life count here? 
Uh, how, do I, how do I live for a purpose that when I leave this earth, I leave this earth better than how I found it? Now, I would say it this way. It's not about your righteousness, but it is about your reward. There is a reward that is offered to every single one of us based on what we do. Our righteousness is because of what Jesus has done. Our reward is based on what we do. That's why the Apostle Paul says this, that I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest having preached the gospel to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay, so there is this press, there is this push, there is this sense of I'm going somewhere, I'm moving forward, I'm not just out for a nice Sunday afternoon stroll, God has a destiny for my life and that becomes my, my obsession. So what Paul says, forgetting the things that are behind, I press on that I may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. There is a what, there is a land, there is a place, there is a purpose that God has for our lives. But as I said just a second ago, uh, between the, the purpose that God has for you and your present reality, there is a process. There is a season that God is at work in order to bring you into the place that he has for you. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about overcoming impossibility. Overcoming impossibility. You see, anyone that, that does anything for God has to overcome some impossible circumstances. Anybody, let me, let me actually even dumb that down a little bit. Anybody that does anything in life has to overcome some impossibility. You have to overcome something that other people would look at and say, that's just not going to work. That's not going to happen. You can't do that. And the same is true when it comes to our life of faith. If we're going to live the life that God has called us to, if we're going to accomplish the things individually and collectively as a church that God has called us to, we're going to have to overcome impossibility. There's going to be some moments where we're going to find ourselves where we feel like we've got our, our toes on the edge and we don't have a step in front of us. It looks impossible. But that's the very moment that God loves to move into. That's the very moment that God loves to break into. You see, your impossibility is God's opportunity. Your impossibility is God's opportunity. And God is looking for people that come to that place where they go, I I've reached the end of the road and I don't have any more road. Have you ever been in that place? It's like a plane trying to take off. You've reached the end of the runway and you go, there ain't no more runway. There ain't no more runway. God, help. And that's the moment that God breaks in. God, the Bible says this, that the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people whose hearts are after him, that he can show himself strong on their behalf. How many of you know you never need God until you need God? <laughs> and, and some of us like to live in the realm of our own ability, our natural ability, but, but we'll never fulfill God's purpose living just in the natural. God wants to bring us, here's the key, God wants to bring us into the supernatural. There's a natural, and we've got to be faithful in the natural, but God wants to lead us not just from the natural, He wants to lead us into the supernatural. Those are the stories that, that we love to hear. Those are the, the things that we love to, to talk about. And so uh, that's where we find Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 10. And I want to read this passage and, and share with you some things that I believe 
God wants us to understand if we're going to overcome the impossibility. Some of you today are facing an impossibility, perhaps uh, in your finances, perhaps in your career. Perhaps you've got an impossible situation uh, in your family. Perhaps you're facing an impossible situation, uh, even emotionally, maybe anxiety and worry and stress. And you just look at it in the natural and you say, there's no way, it's impossible. But the Bible says that now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. So I don't know what you're thinking today, but let me just tell you this. God can do above it. God can do above it. And so that's my prayer today, that God would stir our faith, that he would stir our hearts. And so before we get into the word, can we just have a moment to pray together? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for this wonderful community of people. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the purpose, the call, the destiny that you have for our lives. Lord, I thank you that when you saved us, you called us with a holy calling. Lord, we thank you that we are living for more than retirement. We're living with a purpose greater than just the American dream. God, we want to live for your kingdom. And so, Lord, today I pray, Lord, let faith fill our hearts. Let faith fill our hearts. God, I pray now as we turn to your word, I pray that you would anoint me to preach. God, overcome my inability with your infinite ability. God, I pray, let this atmosphere, let this room, God, be charged supernaturally with an atmosphere of faith. Lord, that as your word goes forth, let it, let it spring open. Revelation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 10 says this, Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, if you're looking for a nice biblical name, Hoham. This would be the only one in his class, or her class, could go either way. King of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Jephi, king of Lashish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. Now, I want you to just see what is happening here. Here, uh, Israel has moved into the promised land. They have, they have overtaken Jericho. They have overtaken uh, Ai. Now they've formed an alliance with Gibeon, and they are beginning to make progress. And the word is starting to spread among the other kings in Canaan of what is happening with Israel. And the kings begin to gather, and they say, we've got to form an alliance. We've got to come together to stop uh, what is happening with Joshua. We've got to stop uh, this progress that is being made. And the Bible says that these five kings made war against Israel. They made war uh, against Joshua and against God's people. 
And, and I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that place where, you know, you start feeling like uh, you're walking in victory. Maybe you've gotten some, uh, you know, praise reports. You've seen God do some things in your family. And, and it's kind of been a, uh, I've got Jericho and I've taken AI. But now you look at the horizon and suddenly you start to see five kings coming towards you. Uh, this is a, a five king moment for Israel. Now Joshua had, had, had defeated uh, Jericho. He had defeated Ai, but it was one at a time. It was one at a time. But now five kings are coming against him. Have you ever heard that statement, God will never give you more than you can handle? That's a lovely statement. That's just the cutest, neatest little thing. I love it. I think that'd be great in a Hallmark card. Write that in, you know, tweet it, do whatever you want. That's the nicest little statement. It's just not in the Word. It's not biblical, okay? In fact, God will always give you more than you can handle, because he's wanting you to get out of you and get into him. And so he says, I'm going to send these five kings against you, Joshua, because you've defeated one, and now you've defeated another in Ai. I'm going to bring these five kings against you. And here's what I want you to see, that in life there are moments when we face a battle that is bigger than anything we could have ever imagined we could do in the natural. There are moments in time where it feels like all hell breaks loose against you all at the same time. It's not like a Bruce Lee movie where one guy waits on the side while you beat up another, and then when it's, he's done, it's his turn. That's not the way the enemy works. He comes at you all at once. He comes at you. Have you ever had a week like that where it's like, I, I'm sick and I've got financial problems, and I'm arguing with my spouse, or, or I've got some sort of relational problem. And so oftentimes, we are totally unaware that we are under attack. Yeah. Carrie Ann shared an awesome devotion in our pre-service prayer huddle, and it was just right in line with that, that we have to recognize that we are under attack. Because your progress is the enemy's problem. You see, this is it's said in that list, the, the one that started the group, the one that started that axis of evil, the Bible says it was the king of Jerusalem. Now, how many of you know, uh, when you're the current king of Jerusalem, and there's a, another king of Jerusalem that will come one day and will sit on the throne, and his throne will be established forever, and he will rule over all the nations of the earth. And you're the current king of Jerusalem. How many of you know you've got a problem? Yeah. Your progress is the enemy's problem. And that means this, that if you are facing opposition today, you should be encouraged. You should be encouraged. You should, you should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The car broke down. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, we were having an argument. Thank you, Jesus. Not thank you for the argument. I've got a problem with my boss. Thank you, Jesus. Because God is working in those moments. You see, only things that, that make progress face resistance. The enemy doesn't care if you live your life and do your thing. You can even say you love Jesus. 
He doesn't care if we gather together and just have a nice little kumbaya, holy huddle on a Sunday morning. He doesn't care about that. But what he does care about is if a group of people begin to get together and we say, we want to make a difference. We, we want to impact and influence the world around us. We want to live and leave this place better than how we found it. Uh, let me just go ahead and warn you, you're going to get on the enemy's hit list. He's going to come against you. He will come against you. Some of you have been facing that. Some of you have been facing opposition in your family, in your finances, perhaps in your, uh, in your business. Some of you are facing opposition. And I just want to uh, pull the covers off of it today and say you're under attack. You're under attack. But here's the good news, that the enemy always overplays his hand. He always overplays his hand. He, he always thinks, now's my moment. You see, that's what he did on the, on the cross. He overplayed his hand. He thought he could, could destroy the purpose of God by crucifying Jesus. And the Bible says this, that if, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because when Jesus was dying on the cross and all hell was breaking loose and what seemed like in the natural, the, the greatest onslaught of the enemy was actually the greatest victory that heaven has ever seen. You see, your greatest battle can become your greatest breakthrough. Your greatest battle can become your greatest breakthrough. Maybe you're in that place today. You're facing a battle, and you can feel discouraged. I want you to say, good, good, I'm progressing, I'm moving forward. And God is working something that's going to become a testimony out of this. I believe that even as a church. Let me tell you this. I know in the natural, you look at our circumstances. You could say, man, this is a church. They've not had a weekly service in two and a half years. Now they've got a financial need to meet this building initiative. And some of you are hearing it, you're going, man, that sounds worse than I thought it was. It's actually not that bad. Let me tell you, God is working a breakthrough. God's working a breakthrough. Everybody loves the stories after the fact. Everybody loves the five kings stories. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody loves that, but when you're living it, it's not that exciting. And that's why it's so important that we are keeping our eyes on Jesus, that we are focused on Jesus, that we are living not in the flesh, but we're living in the Spirit. The Bible says this in Isaiah 59, verse 19, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the, Lord will, or the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. What is the standard? The standard is the, the declaration, God is on our side. God is working. God is moving. I want to speak that over your circumstances today. God is with you. God is for you. What can man do to you? And we don't have anything to be afraid of. Why? Because God is on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So the enemy's coming in, but God's bringing him in so that he can bring you from a, a one-person victor to a five-king victor, to a five-king victory. God is propelling you. You may feel like it's a problem, but God may be positioning you to propel you to do more in a moment than, than, he, than you could have done in your own strength in a lifetime. And so your greatest battle can become your greatest breakthrough. The Bible says this in verse 6. Read with me. It says, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Listen to this. Save us and help us. 
For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Now this is the, the Gibeonites, and they're calling out for Joshua to come help them because they are under attack by the Amorites. Okay, I know it's a lot of ites, but the Amorites want to kill Joshua. They want to destroy Israel. And here the Gibeonites are facing attack, and they cry out to Joshua, Joshua, help us. You ever, you ever have a friend like that? They come to you, they're saying, would you help me? You're like, I got my own problems. I've got my own problems. Get, get off of me. It's like, you're, I'm drowning. Get off of me, okay? Uh, I don't need this right now. That's where, that's where Joshua, that's where Israel was. And, and notice what the Gibeonites say, save us and help us. Now, to use the theological term, that is salvific language. That means this. That is the language of salvation that we would say to God, God, save us. Help us. Now, Joshua could have said, let me just give you a little theology lesson here. Salvation is of the Lord. I can't help you. You, gotta ha you have your own problem. But that's not what Joshua saw. Joshua recognized that, that their uh, problem or their attack was an opportunity for him to serve them. Or, or let me say it this way, that your breakthrough is someone else's blessing. Your breakthrough is someone else's blessing. Why did God promise the promised land to Abraham to begin with? It wasn't so that he could live his best life and ignore the cries of the world around him. The reason God had promised this promised land to Abraham and to his descendants, if you remember Genesis chapter 12, it says this, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so here Joshua finds himself in a moment where he, can, uh, he is hearing the cry of the Gibeonites, come save us and help us. And here's what I want you to understand is that God wants to use your life to become a blessing to others. The problem is oftentimes when we go through difficulty, when we face attack, when we face problems, we begin to draw into ourselves. We begin to look at ourselves. We begin to uh, develop the skill of navel gazing. You're just looking down at yourself. It's, I got it from my dad. <laughs> navel gazing. I'm going through a lot right now. I'm facing a lot right now, and there's moments that we face a lot, but here's, here's what I believe God wants us to understand. The greatest thing you can do is, when you're going through something is to get your eyes off of yourself, to begin to look at others, to begin to serve others. How can I care for others? How can I help others? And that was what Joshua was doing. Joshua, uh, although he was under attack, he recognized that his breakthrough wasn't just for him to have a breakthrough. His breakthrough was for someone else's blessing. And, and let me say this, the thing that you're believing God for is never just for you. It's never just for you. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about the place that God is taking us. I'm so excited that we're going to have a building that, that we can be in, not just for a few hours on a Sunday or biweekly or occasionally, but we're going to have a place that we, can, that we can flourish, we can thrive, we can do everything that God has called us to do. But let me just tell you this, let's not get it twisted that it's not just about us having a nice little comfortable church. Uh, it's not about us just having a nice, comfortable church. The reason we are doing this is not for us. 
It's actually for those who are not yet a part of us. It's for those who are outside. It's for those who are on Lee Road whose lives are broken and who are hurting and who are currently in bondage. And they may not say it this way, but there's a cry that's coming out of their hearts. Help us. Save us. And God is positioning us so that our blessing can become, our breakthrough can become their blessing. The thing that stirs my heart is the day. This is what I'm imagining. This is what I'm dreaming of. Even as we are in this Vision Builders initiative, the thing that I'm dreaming of is not not the day we move into the building. The thing that I'm dreaming of is is 10, 20, 30 years down the road where somebody comes and says, my life was changed because because you gave. Uh, You didn't know it, but I was a little child, and my parents began to come to your your service, and you reached out to us, and my life is changed, and my family is changed, and my eternity is changed. I'm telling you, I'm not just giving you some nice, um, you know, encouraging lingo. That is the reality. If you serve God long enough, that's the reality that God wants to bring in your life, that, that you can look at people, and you can say, their life has changed, their life has changed, their family has changed. That's better than anything in all the world. God wants our breakthrough to be someone else's blessing. The Amorites were, or the the, um, Gibeonites were crying, save us, help us. I love the story in the New Testament when Paul gets the vision of the man from Macedonia. He says, would you come over here? Would you save us? Let me tell you, God is the God who hears the cry of the oppressed. God is the God that hears the cry of people that we may not hear it with our ears, but somewhere there's someone who's crying, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is this my destiny? Is this my life? And God says, I'm going to begin to position some things. I'm going to shut down the Orlando Museum of Art. I'm going to pull y'all over here. I'm going to position you so that your blessing can become someone else's breakthrough. And our breakthrough becomes someone else's blessing. Save us. Help us. Verse 7, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. Everybody says, hoorah. And the the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Listen to that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've delivered them into your hand. Now, if you look at it, the natural, they're not in their hand. But God is pronouncing in advance. He's declaring in advance His purpose to them. Do not fear. I've delivered them into your hand. Listen to this. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Having marched all night from Gilgal. I love that. Joshua set out when he heard the cry. Joshua and the children of Israel set out and they started marching all night. They were marching throughout the night. They were just putting one foot in front of the other, marching all night, and then suddenly they came upon them. And the Bible says this in the next verse, that the Lord routed them before Israel and killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Here's the third thing I want you to see is that God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. In fact, the scripture goes on to say, you can skip down with me to verse 11. It says this, there were more uh, of the Amorites who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. In other words, God did more than Israel did. Israel got the victory, but, but God fought the battle. 
And what did Israel do? They just put one foot in front of the other. And then suddenly, God showed up. Suddenly, God moved. In fact, actually, God was even moving. The Bible says that while they were marching, God was routing the enemy in front of them. What an awesome, awesome reality. They didn't see what God was doing. They just saw left, 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 right, left, left. They didn't know. It just seemed routine to them. It just seemed like they were going through the motions. They didn't know that while they were going through the motions, God was moving behind the scenes. And the Bible says he's routing the Amorites before them so that when they come to that place, as they are marching forward, suddenly God shows up. I want you to know this, that God moves through divine suddenlies. God moves through divine suddenlies. Sometimes we feel like our life is just one foot in front of the other. Sometimes we feel like our life is just going through the motions. Get up and go to work and, and come home. Do it again the next day. But we don't recognize that God is ahead of us. And God is routing the enemy so that there's a, there can be a divine suddenly on your behalf. God is the God of divine suddenlies. Think about the book of Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that they were gathered together in the upper room. They were gathered together. The Bible says they were all together in one place in one accord. And then what does it say? Suddenly there came a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. I want you to know God has a suddenly in store for you. God has a suddenly in store for you. It's not your effort it's not your strength. It is your responsibility. You're called to march. You're called to put one foot in front of the other. But God's going to do what you can't do when you do what you can. He's working ahead of you, preparing, so that when you get to that place, you will have a, a, a divine encounter with your destiny. If, if there's one thing that I've learned over my life, 20-something years now, is this, that, that God's purpose is not always just this nice, smooth trajectory. Uh, I, you know, I'd like for it to work that way. I'd like it for if God just worked according to my one-year plan, and then God, let me just give you my five-year plan of where, I, I, you know, I want you to take me in five years, and here's my 10-year plan. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to plan, but here's what I've recognized is that God's purpose is not fulfilled through our planning. We are, we are required to be faithful to plan, but what happens is that when we begin to do what we can, we begin to set out towards the battle, towards the call, and, and we're faithful to put one foot in front of the other, and, and we're faithful just to sometimes go through the motions just what may seem monotonous, God is actually positioning us for a suddenly encounter. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you've marched all night. I love it that, that he says they marched all night. He's telling us what time it is. You know, there's a difference between chronos time and kairos time. The, the Bible uses two words for time. Chronos is the passage of time. Kairos is the quality of time. How many of you know not all time is equal? Not all time is equal. Uh, Kairos moments are the moments that you mark your life by. 
It's the moments where you've been faithful for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. And then suddenly God shows up. Suddenly the breakthrough comes. I, I could tell you in my life of those Kairos moments where God showed up. And just because I was faithful, I was faithful to do, or not because I was faithful, but while I was faithful to do what I could, I was positioning myself for the purpose of God. Maybe you're in that place. You feel like you've been walking 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. As long as you have air in your lungs, God's not done, okay? And I, I want to speak this over you today. There's a suddenly in store. There's a suddenly ahead for you. I want to say that for our church. There's suddenlies that God has in store for us. There's suddenlies, things that are not even yet on our radar, things that we've not even thought of, but things that is while, while we're just marching forward, God is out and, you know, He's already in the future and He's routing the enemy before us so that we can experience a suddenly to move us into our purpose. God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. It says in verse 11, there was more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel who were killed with the sword. And then verse 12, you guys may be having to keep up with me on the screen, but verse 12, it says this, then Joshua spoke to the Lord, listen, in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till all the people had revenge upon their enemies. Here's, here's what was happening. They, they were attacking the Amorites. The Amorites began to run. The sun is beginning to set. And, and Joshua remembers God's word to him. Not one of them shall stand. Not one of them shall stand. And so although the Amorites were running, Joshua was taking God at his word that not one of them will stand. And he knew that if the sun went down, there would, there would be some that would get away. And so notice what it says. It says, then Joshua spoke to the Lord. Everybody see that in verse 12? Joshua spoke to the Lord. In other words, he's praying, but listen to his prayer. Sun, stand still. He's praying to God, he's speaking to God, but he's declaring God's will over his circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going to pray that kind of prayer, that would be kind of a prayer in the closet kind of a prayer. That'd be in my prayer closet. How many of you know it's easy to pray very bold in your prayer closet? Sometimes you get out where people are listening and you go, I'm going to be held accountable for this. i got to live up to this. God, you got to help me. But the Bible says that he said to God in the sight of all Israel, son, stand still. I want you to understand that there is a type of prayer that is an authoritative prayer. It is, I believe, what the Bible calls the prayer of faith, where we are not asking God to do something, but we've already found out what God's will is on a situation, and we are enforcing the will of God upon our circumstances. Let me give you an example. In, in my house, it's one thing if I say to Linus, Linus, go tell Finn to clean your room, to clean the room. And if Linus goes in 
and says to Finn, Finn, clean the room. How many of you know uh, that doesn't carry a lot of weight? (laughs) But when the word has come, Dad says, clean the room. Now, hopefully that should carry a different amount of weight. And, And so Joshua had the word from God. Not one of them will stand. Not one of them will stand. And now Joshua is standing in the place of divine authority, and he is declaring to the sun, sun, stand still. Wow. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayers are pretty small prayers. God, could you, could, could you um, touch my toe, Lord? If you could. You ever pray, pray that? If you could? Or, or how about this one? If it's your will. Now, we are called to submit to the will of the Lord. We're called to uh, constantly seek God's will. But I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. Those who are perpetually seeking the will of God are run over by those doing the will of God. And so when you know what God's will is on a situation, you don't have to gut your prayer with if it's your will. You can stand in divine authority and declare the will of God, the will of the Lord. You see, when we begin to move into the place of kingdom authority, we understand that kingdoms work through words. Kingdoms work through words. How does a king do work? He doesn't get out and break his back. How does he, do, how does he work? He speaks. He speaks. How does God do work? Read the book of Genesis. God said, let there be light. God said, it spoke creation into existence. And, and I believe that there is a dynamic of faith. There's a dynamic of prayer. There's a dynamic of authority that God wants to bring us into where we recognize the authority that we have been given. I love to point out that word authority, I believe, is connected to author, authority. And when we recognize that God is the author, God is working our lives for His purpose, then we begin to step into the authority that God has given to us. And we can begin to speak things. We can begin to declare things. According to the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about some weird stuff. Joshua didn't go around speaking to the stars and the sun and the moon all the time. But when God said, this is going to happen, Joshua stood and he decreed it. Sun, stand still. Sun, stand still. Kingdoms work with words. Think about how Jesus did. Uh, 90% of what he did was with his words. He spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He spoke to Lazarus. He didn't say, come on, Lazarus, come on, if you could, if you would, get on up. He said, Lazarus, come forth. That's a prayer of faith. That's a power prayer. Worship team, I want you to come back up, and we're going to close today. But perhaps some of you today, you're facing an impossibility. Maybe you've got an impossible situation in your family. In fact, I'll, I'll ask everybody to stand up. Maybe you've got an impossible situation in your family. Maybe you've got an impossible situation in your health. 
Maybe you've got some other situation that in your life, you look at it in the natural, and you say, there's no way. There's no way. I want you to recognize God is wanting us to step out of the natural and into the supernatural. I want to ask if you would just to close your eyes for just a moment. Worship team, if you would, begin to play. I want you to envision the calling, the destiny that God has. If you would, everybody, just close your eyes for a second. There is a place. The Bible says that God is the one who gives dreams and visions. God is the one that calls the things that are not as though they were. It was impossible for Abraham to have a baby in the natural. It was impossible for David to defeat Goliath in the natural. It was impossible for Joshua and for Israel to overcome the Amorites in the natural. But when you face an impossibility, your impossibility is God's opportunity. The Bible says He's looking today across the earth. He's looking, He's scanning the earth today to see, is there people, is there someone somewhere whose heart is after me? Is there someone somewhere who may be facing an impossibility, but they will say, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Now, I want to pray today that God would release faith into our hearts, that God would release, I believe today, God wants to release words and dreams and visions into our hearts that God would speak to us this morning a word of revelation over your circumstance. What's the will of God over your circumstance? Let me tell you what the will of God is over your circumstance. The will of God for your life is, is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you are facing an impossible situation of someone that in the natural, it looks like they're too far from God. You may see in the natural, you may think there's no way for them to come to Christ. God sees them saved. Maybe you're facing a, a diagnosis that in the natural there is no possibility, but God is the God of possibility. And God is wanting to reveal His will to us today. And so, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And Father, I pray, Lord, today for those that are facing impossibility. God, I pray that there would be a revelation, even as you spoke to Joshua, none of them will stand before you. Father, let there be a release of supernatural faith into our hearts. Not one of the enemies will stand against us. Sickness will not stand against us. Depression will not stand against us. Division will not stand against us. Lack will not stand against us. Guilt and shame will not stand against us. Father, we thank you for it. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Let's worship the Lord.